1: folks, welcome to the song Podcast. I've been stuck in traffic for an hour and a fucking half and I'm not really happy about it. I'm Mark Fraser and I'm joined by the guy whose house I'm sitting in, who's been sitting here for the last hour and a half. I was pretty I, happy about that, yeah. to be honest. What would your voice sound like if you were happy about it? Um,
0: no? <laughs> <laughs> Neither does anyone that's ever listened to this podcast. Just get, just get hey, voice, mate. Hey, folks, welcome to Unsung Podcast. I just won the lottery and found out that my dad's Superman and my fingers taste like burgers. Nice, I want to be that guy How <laughs> would I to become that guy? <laughs> I'll just add like a plug in onto your voice <laughs> uh, Welcome to the Unsung Podcast We're going to sound a wee bit different this week yeah. uh, This is a split 7 inch And we realised it's been ages since we did one of these uh, Split 7 inches, even for people that listen fairly regularly You'll only really know them if you're a subscriber Because we tend to do them to uh, subs mm-hmm. We <laughs> do them We do them too. We <laughs> do them at subs And they're pretty good uh, They differ slightly From the mixtape Because we don't pick albums We don't mm-hmm. do next and Things like that But we do get Into the nitty gritty Of topics that are Sometimes suggested to us uh-huh. And we're going to do one This week That we've been toying with For a while I was just feeling Pure mad for it And I was <laughs> like Let's just Throw
1: caution to the wind mark yeah. Let's do The unsung Cancelled Split 7 inch mm-hmm. I mean it's I think over the years people have asked us to do something like this yeah this is not like it has come up a bunch of times certainly people that i know have mentioned that i suppose it was going to happen eventually right yeah like our cancellation is also inevitable <laughs> or to somehow Two just <laughs> this way, guys we're ripe for it before we do that bit of admin yes yeah, so we have our patreon and we're just pulling together all of the records we want to send out in july mm-hmm. what i mean by that if you've no idea what i'm talking about is we run a record club now mm-hmm is it fair to say we're a little bit more innovative than your average music podcast? Yeah, we are, totally. Um, I've had, I, I don't know about you, but I've had a few people message me saying or message us. One one guy personally messaged me in the day talking about the Thorn record actually we put out. Yep. Um, basically, we simplified our tier system a few months ago on, on Patreon, so now we've only got three. It's only five if you live on the other side of the world. But for £4 a month, basically you're buying us a pint, or half a pint each, I guess. <laughs> yeah, these days, a pint would be some pretty nasty um, pint. And then you get access to bonus episodes, bonus episodes. Bonus content like the previous split of seven inches that we've done, uh, which the older incarnations of this and other cool stuff like sound as a pound and on song and I think th- sound as a pound might be our most popular
0: format. Yeah, like quite apart from the fact that it's probably the stupidest one we do, mm-hmm. where we go into the pound shop and buy each other a gift for a pound and then force the other one to review it. It seems to generate a lot of response. Yeah. Um it's just
1: nonsense. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it it's like a 50/50 bag of slaggins mm-hmm. and praise. Anyway, you can you can get a listen to all kinds of insults. Mm-hmm. Really the same insults said in different tones, different volumes, different ways. Yeah. You know. Um but you can hear all of that if you subscribe at that basic tier of 4 pounds. However, if you go up a notch To 15 15. You get all of the bonus stuff All of it Then we also use the money that you give us To buy in bulk from independent bands and independent labels Uh, And that tier, the digital tier It's all digital stuff And you'll get sent curated music from us every month Including the Odd Surprise And that is music based on feedback you've given us. You know, we ask you for a couple of names of things you're into and you get to pick who chose your album that month. Then you can go one tier up again to the Analog Mm -hmm. Record Club and the Analog Record Club. It's where we use the money that's sent to us to buy actual vinyls from bands and independent labels so they can then put that back into recording, back into their artists. And then we send you out curated actual things in the post which is a really good buzz when it arrives we're told. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also send you digital stuff and we also give you access to all of the online uh, content, in, which includes the Facebook Triple A Pass group, where you can actually give us topics for shows like this. So there you go, and absolute ballers can mm-hmm. pay a year in one go and get about I think it's about two
1: uh, two months worth free. Yeah. So um, we've got some of those. Yeah, we have a few of them, and we don't know why, but you just kind of force us to keep doing this nonsense, mm-hmm. which is cool. But I mean, stop giving. No, actually, wait, keep giving us money. It's uh, Patreon.com. 4 slash unsung pod That's where you want to go That is where you want to go And so this Is what a split seven inch sounds like
0: And this Is what a discussion By two cis white males About cancellation <laughs> Sounds like uh, I had a couple of ideas To get us started Right okay So the biggest issue With discussing Cancelled artists Is platforming them right It's promoting them Yeah And I was thinking Well we could Cut in their music And I think for a lot of the people We'll mention that's totally appropriate but I was like, we could also be smart arses, and when it comes to somebody that we're like, come on, that's kind of beyond the pale, we think of an alternative. Mm. So let's, let's just pick one randomly. Okay. Lost profits. Uh, feel for a friend. <laughs> there you go. So I'm not cutting in lost profits, but when we get to that point... I will take suggestions And there'll be spontaneous suggestions yes. So it'll be like Word association <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean Phil Collins Isn't of that level But uh, Phil Collins would be a word association?
1: Um, Peter Gabriel That's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> they keeping silent
0: Amazing. I wonder how many people just shouted that as well. <laughs> okay, so we'll maybe do a little bit of that. And let's be clear, we realise that when you're discussing cancelled artists, people that you deeply admired, all-time legends, just greats, uh, like absolute masters of their craft, uh, but also people that have committed serious misdeeds, there is only really one that jumps out. And that is Steven Seagal. <laughs> and boy, are we missing listening to that man's musical catalogue.
1: Did I send you the song? But it doesn't do make an accent. <laughs> Steven
0: Seagal yeah. I mean I, I mean If you're going to be a bear Be a grizzly <laughs> If you're going to get cancelled Just go fucking Phil Boonah It's something else mate I'll um, bet it is try,
1: Tell me what you really want All night you want to put on this If you make me nice Me love the way you walk Sometimes the way you talk It's so hot Now you know Let's have a shot to rum Then me can make you come Everything he does is something else I mean is he really cancelled Or is it just because He's, he's, he's passed no, I, a Russian I just don't like him I will see you know. no, he's just, he's, I've got a fairly high level of confidence
0: In saying he's a rotten person <laughs> <laughs> But no So This is not just a, a A story of how cancel culture And music interact This is also going to be A look at Our own personal feelings On artists That either In some cases Just seem like wankers eh, For a variety of reasons Or People who have somehow also inexplicably escaped cancellation, (coughs) David Boy, Uh, which we will come back to uh, because I think this is all coming under this umbrella and there's some interesting ideas to chew on. a lot of these people are cancelled for a very wide variety of misdeeds. You know, it's like the Aziz Ansari thing that mm-hmm. people always cite, you know. you got your Jimmy Saviles mm-hmm. and you've got your Aziz Ansaris. Well, there's tears, right? Exactly. We should probably define what the tears are. <laughs> the Patreon are. tiers are yeah, cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> there they really are. <laughs> um, I haven't laid out
1: tears. Would you care, with absolutely no rehearsal, to slam some names in three or four tiers? Yeah, so I think maybe your lower tier, your tier one, you know, your... <laughs> Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Well, I mean, he's, he's a Tory, so. He's a fucking Tory. Know. It's just like, something I dislike. Yeah. It's Kate not. Bush. She's not a Tory, but she could have been cancelled at one point She kind of, wa- she kind of was cancelled when everybody thought she was a Tory And it turned out that she wasn't That was way back before cancellation was a thing But you know what I'm saying Yeah, it's pretty hardcore to cancel people Just for their vague political beliefs, isn't it? it? Depends who they are Yeah, it does. that's right <laughs> uh, So, for example, Ted Nugent, he's a massive Trump supporter Yeah, that's definitely a couple of stages up uh, Yeah, yeah, so I'm saying, so Like in terms of the political it? He called Barack Obama a subspecies Yeah so you know, there's there's, there's tiers with maybe there's, it's like it's like Russian dolls. <laughs> He's also a dirty bastard. Yeah, I mean, who wasn't he. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> uh, so maybe up. that's like your tier one is like you know sort of vague political stuff. Maybe tier two a lot of people that are in pop punk bands to follow thought into that tier. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they've. Uh, I'm just going spitballing. It's just coming off the top of my head. <laughs> that's exactly what we're looking um, for. So tier one's Phil. F- tier one is Phil. Uh, tier two is perhaps. Uh, Somebody that was in an abusive relationship of some kind. Um, Anybody come to mind? Yeah, so the guy for Daughters. This is not funny enough though, is it? I know, but it's the first time it popped <laughs> into my head, I don't know why. Um, Anybody in Blink-182? No? No, sadly not. A um, uh, guy for She Saved the Day with his face. Right, Chris, his name's Chris. What about the guy for Casabian? Yeah, uh, I mean, aye. He's a good, he's a great example. Right, like, tier two is Casabian. Casabian. Right, tier three. Tier three's got to be brand new, right? Yeah, I was. I would say, yeah, it's got to be. And and about that, brand new the guy uh, Steve from New England that gets sacked because he messaged some lassie in Australia who was uh, supposedly underage. Um, his his private parts. <laughs> um, and he was asked to leave the band, and he did. And then perhaps a tier four. I mean, that's 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 your big guns.
0: That's your um, yeah Michael Jacksons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I uh, Can I just hit cutting in some music From Michael Jackson? It's gonna be prince, right? Or Stevie Wonder. Uh, oh, yeah, I suppose.
1: <laughs> um, I think there's a tier five though. Really? It's self okay. it's self-termination <laughs> fucking, at, like a nuclear tear yeah it's like fucking Ian Watkins it's self-termination it's like complete scorched earth there's
0: someone I worse mean, than Jackson is that because of ambiguity or, I mean I didn't even realise you know I like it in a comic book when you think you've got to the maximum <laughs> level of powers and then someone goes no there's yeah. somebody that's more powerful than a million sons yeah. so there's some musician that's more cancelled than a million pedo
1: sons like uh, Ian Watkins from The Lost Prophets Absolutely That is absolutely Nuclear level you Yeah it's right. the Scottish Like that's
0: self-termination yeah. Tier 5 That is absolutely Fucking mental I mean there's a few Getting close to that though Yeah Yeah Gary Glutter could be maybe, maybe be tier 5 You would think he's Yeah he's at least Four and a half mm. So he's between <laughs> Between <laughs> Michael and Ian <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking hell And who What was the name We put on tier 3 Oh fuck What was it uh Jesse Lady for brand new. Jesse. So mm. we've we've got a Phil. We've got a Phil. What was the second one? We've got Kasabian. Uh, Tom Egan. Tom. Uh, Phil, Tom, Jesse, Michael, and Ian. And Ian. Hell. There we go. Do oh. you know any of these
0: men? <laughs> what a boy band that would be Right, good that we established that. Folks, you can go out into the world now with that <laughs> solid scientific metric
1: <laughs> for musical cancellation. As, see, when they t- talk about like, back of the fag, pa- packet <laughs> calculations, that's exactly what that was. So become <laughs> the, the definitive study.
0: <laughs> anyway, to get a bit of insight into the subject with all that established and beyond simply our own anecdotal take, let's dip into a really excellent article
1: I found in Jezebel. I actually found a couple more. So we can maybe collect them and do some fucking okay. stuff with okay.
0: that. I want to uh, basically give the cliff notes of this this article mm-hmm. by Rich Juzviak, I think his name is pronounced. Mm-hmm. It's called, or it's titled, These Musicians Were Cancelled But People Kept Listening. It's from 2019. I think it's a really good bit of journalism, actually, on a, an interesting subject. He went to the trouble of consulting Nielsen Music. Nielsen Music is... A diversified business that specialises in detailed, large-scale data analytics within the music industry in particular. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of things, actually. They do films and stuff as well via their parent company. Barcodes, Mm -hmm. basically. They they aggregate the barcodes. They aggregate barcodes, but also streams and listens and general industry metrics.
1: You wouldn't know that uh, streaming stuff, like you do
0: get a barcode for that as well. Right. Well, Nielsen are the aggregators of these stats Mm -hmm. and and probably the biggest company to go to, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so Rich starts this article in an interesting fashion by naming just a selection of the places in recent history where he had heard Michael Jackson's music. Bearing in mind, this is in the time since the documentary series Leaving Neverland had first hit streaming sites and had then hit terrestrial TVs. Mm-hmm. It, it was terrestrial, it terrestrial? was HBO. Channel, it was Channel 4 over channel here. Channel 4 mm-hmm. over here, yeah. So... As we established, Michael has a tier all to himself, and tier four, and tier four might not be tier five, but it's a fucking eye-watering tier, let's Mm. let's be very clear about Mm. that, okay? And I think actually Michael has one thing over the likes of Ian Watkins and even Gary Glitter, in that the absolutely stratospheric nature of his fame, the ratio of that, to the the, the scale of the accusations against them. Mm -hmm. There are huge famous people. I mean, okay, Phil Collins isn't as famous as Michael Jackson, but the accusations against them are basically just that he rubs some people up the wrong way and maybe they don't like some of his opinions Mm -hmm. in politics. But, you know, the scale of that is not even remotely comparable. You know, and, you know, Prince maybe had some funny ideas relating to his, his religion and, and things like that. But the, the, the fame to offence ratio is mm. nothing like Michael Jackson. Mm. Super famous and extremely, extremely grave uh, allegations. Um, and I would suggest misdeeds full so- stop. There's a TR system and there's also a ratio system involved. There too. is a ratio system. We are we are trying to refine the mathematical mm. models as we speak. If you hear scribbling, that's Mark
1: <laughs> tr- Trying to figure out how to draw tra- tra- <laughs> drawing
0: a cock and balls on his notes. Um interestingly, I still encounter plenty of people that think Michael Jackson was innocent. Honestly, uh, personally, I find that baffling, but it speaks to various aspects of human psychology. Um, Yes, there is always the argument of healthy scepticism and, of course, innocent till proven guilty. But speaking from a personal perspective, there is also an appeal to common sense and plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... We live in an era defined by few things more than the way inverted commas personal truths and subjective reality have subsumed the idea of consensus. You know, you can invent, you can have a bespoke world that you live in Mm -hmm. that in your mind is based on facts, even if it completely disagrees with other established facts. I mean, everything from Brexit to Trump to the invasion of Ukraine have been enabled by that same erosion of objectivity. COVID was... The collision of a real pandemic, scientific issue, medical issue, solvable or at least addressable issue and then this entire world of people and their tiny micro bespoke worlds that just don't like that and don't want it to be that way so they fabricate these these huge, elaborate, you know, networks of stories and conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, and yeah, and we've never lived in that world before. You could, you couldn't, yeah. couldn't mm-hmm. micrograft worlds like that. That is, that is definitely one of that, things the things internet is enabled. I
1: would say that's probably true. But in terms of like, you know, creating superstructures of of beliefs, like we all do that. You know, it's just part of being human. We don't like cognitive dissonance, so we, we create we create realities for ourselves which fit our own narratives. True, as objective as we think we can be, and I think there are there are people on both sides of the political spectrum who think they are able to be more objective and more rational than mm-hmm. others. At the end of the day, they still can't deal with cognitive dissonance in a particularly useful way. We're just not equipped to do it as humans, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a kind of, historically, a bit of a sledgehammer approach to it, and that things like flat earth theories did exist, but the simple force of consensus tended to tamp them down. Mm. Whereas now, it seems much easier to live in a bubble where you don't have to hear that that is fucking garbage. Yeah, because you can just, you turn off the news and switch on YouTube and you're sorted. Exactly. You know what I mean? So what I mean is the sustainability factor of these superstructures is much higher now. You know, you're right, there have always been these these kind of things, but it is much easier to maintain it. It's much easier to withdraw into a world where you can find people saying back to you the things you need to hear in order to maintain this bizarre mm-hmm. uh, belief system that you have. And I, do, I don't think we've, Ever really been at a point in history where that's been feasible? I would say, and excuse me if you're a listener who's particularly religious, religion is an enduring superstructure of fairly easily falsifiable beliefs. But that has actually resorted to the to the, the kind of brute force approach of simply by sheer volume of numbers, it has resisted. Because so many people subscribe to it, whereas, you know, Flat Earth has never had that sort of level of it. But now we live in this world where these little tiny mm. little worlds can survive much, much longer. Mm. QAnon is a great example of that. So, yeah, I think Brexit, Trump, Ukraine, invasion, you know... Nations like Russia and the way the government manipulates people, that's all based on things that are only really possible to that extent mm-hmm. at the moment. But the fact remains that, especially with likes of Michael Jackson, nobody really has a smoking gun. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can make a very compelling argument, you can interview and have really compelling testimony that all seems consistent, and multiple people suggesting that this is all consistent, but if you haven't got a smoking gun, there is always going to be the holdout you know, you've, you've got gut instincts You've got probability But there's always going to be That resistant mm. subset Especially if they have A particular attachment Or as you say A bit of cognitive dissonance Going mm. on Zuzviak um, the writer Describes one day Having an appetite For Michael Jackson And then following the documentary Simply not having That appetite mm. anymore um, It wasn't so much That he was fighting The urge to listen But the urge to listen Had simply gone And I'm I'm actually largely On that page Of Michael Jackson as same. well Must, must um, the same Not necessarily on the same page with regards to other folks in here. There are people that I have to stop myself listening to sometimes because I'm like, I kind of like it, but I don't want to endorse it. Mm. You know, I actually actively don't want to be seen to to be endorsing it and I don't want it in my life. Um, But yeah, Jackson was never a huge part of my life, but I certainly did enjoy it, especially on a night out. I mean, who doesn't enjoy it on a night out? To give you some figures though, in the the four weeks prior to leaving Neverland documentary, Michael Jackson supposedly clocked 14,000 plays a week on US radio. In the almost 40 weeks after the documentary, that went down to about 11,000. Although it's worth bearing in mind that as the documentary approached, listens also spiked a fair bit. But you can see that the plays did come down. But they went from fourteen to eleven thousand. They didn't go from fourteen thousand to eleven. You know, it wasn't mm. like it became an, a, a total anomaly to here. Michael Jackson on the radio, but there was a definite decrease, and that decrease is interesting. And it seems consistent amongst other artists as well. You know, mm. when it comes to the likes of R. Kelly, there is a decrease in plays on radio stations, commercial radio stations, television. You know, use in films, use in adverts. Those kind of metrics show a dip.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, what I, I read that summary as well. I know you're going to go through more of it, but at this particular point, I think it's for me the th- the first thing that popped into my head was this idea of cultural memory. These people have lived and been so big for so long that even the pe- people people can hold the cognitive distance in their head for these these people. They can acknowledge that the the person was a creep, and they don't even need to try and separate art art from artists because it's just such a massive like part of the cultural identity of. Mm. I guess of music uh, Certain kinds of I guess Hip-hop, R&B, soul Kind of music You know uh, And pop music Because they are huge pop artists as well Those artists are always going to exist And the lexicon of pop music Is just always going to be there mm-hmm. How we deal with our legacy Is complicated And made even more murky Because you can't really You can't grade it The same way you grade Gary Right You just can't Because the, the, the phenomenon <laughs> The phenomenon just was not big enough For him yeah. For it to for it to become part of that cultural memory, you know. So, wh- when, I've, when I when I seen that, I was like, well, it does make sense that it would go down. But it also makes sense that it wouldn't completely vanish. Because yeah. it, it is part of, you know, the cultural identity of, uh, certainly America, if not most of the world, right? Mm, I'd agree. Um, Josiac points out in the article
0: that radio and streams have very different characteristics in that, in, in that respect. And I think this is an interesting bit to dig into. Because... Radio is a regulated top-down medium, you know what I mean? Each channel or each station or each company has PR departments, they have broadcast ethics and policies, and most importantly, they do have a level of accountability, Mm -hmm. whether that is to official regulators or whether that is just to their audience and uh, in no small way to their advertisers for a lot of them as well. Um, Radio and TV almost certainly shied away from Michael Jackson plays somewhat in anticipation of complaints and negative reactions, I'd suggest. Um, so that metric, watching the radio and TV plays dip, it isn't necessarily a true representation of audience appetite for that music. What you're seeing is a commercial reaction, Uh, but that commercial reaction has a lot of asterisks behind it, you know. It it perhaps even says more about society and psychology than it does the individual person's average demand to hear Michael Jackson at that Mm -hmm. time despite what he has or has not or is accused of having done. Um, I think the real insight comes from private streams of Michael Jackson's work, which rose in that same period. So at the same time as the media was reacting with moderate caution to some of the worst accusations levelled against a pop musician ever, uh, the public did no such thing. Um, his streams rose by 22.1%, almost a quarter. And although it's true that the industry in general grew, not only did the increase in his streams outstrip growth, but it just couldn't be attributed to that anyway. Uh, audience share doesn't change on a flat basis. Interest in Michael Jackson grew, basically, with the prevalence of Michael Jackson in everyday conversation and you're
1: kind of the back the back of your mind, those are things about publicity. Isn't. Basically, yeah, yeah? exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not true, but I mean, in this case, it certainly seems to be true. <laughs> uh, the detailed charts
0: in the article, of which there are many, show that. As Leaving Neverland streams topped 40 million per week, um, his listens barely shifted. They were actually up from a year prior, and indeed their highest spike was in the few weeks before the show broadcast, just as anticipation and awareness was peaking. Um, By late 2019, Michael Jackson's streams were approaching twice what they were 18 months earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is pretty remarkable considering what context his name was being mentioned in And almost always is now. Michael Jackson used to be shorthand for, like, a weirdo pop musician. Now it's shorthand for a kiddie fiddler. Why does it surprise you
1: that people didn't stop listening?
0: No, it surprises me that the reaction of one audience didn't maybe... Uh, offset the reaction of other audience members, all the people that became uncomfortable with it didn't lead to maybe yeah, a slight increase, but for it to almost double in those 18 months, I think that's amazing. Um, Juzviac draws some interesting conclusions from that data. Uh, one is that the figure suggests cancel culture is a top down process, uh, you know, media first. Perhaps um, it doesn't even exist. Yeah uh, yeah. In the case of disgraced musicians, and I do, I do want to stress that disgraced. Uh, is a very qualified statement because people are disgraced to massively different extents by deeds of a wildly varying character here. We're not trying to paint everyone with one brush. and There are five uh, tiers, Chris. Uh, there are five <laughs> tiers and I would proffer that one of the biggest issues with uh, accountability is that many people do paint all five tiers with one fucking brush and that is a wholly impractical untenable and just really quite unethical way to go about it. Um you can tell Chris doesn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> yes you can. Uh, you can tell Chris isn't allowed a Twitter account, Mark. Do you remember when I used to run ours? Yes. Yeah. Um the media seems to enforce the policy of cancellation to some extent. They are the version of us
1: that we want to project as a collective I mean I I see why you say that, but I don't think I don't think it's quite that simple. I think media reflects what's happening on social media and in social media they're saying this person's this person's fucking done. Obviously it's not the case. The numbers show that it's not the case. Yeah, But it's a mirror basically and social media media companies want to be seen to be part of the zeitgeist to what I report news and not only is a Michael Jackson being a pedo news, but B all the people being raging about the fact Michael Jackson's a, pe- a pedo all over social media. That's another bit of news. You bring them both together, then you get you get engagement, likes, comments going through the fucking roof. I think it's a symbiotic relationship in this regard. I don't think it's just the I, I just don't I don't think it's just the media as a reflection of us. I think this is the media reflecting itself in a way. Does that make sense? I think it's a bit of a contract. I
0: think it's a bit of a right. It's that we expect the media to portray the reality that there has been accountability for these actions whilst we simultaneously largely get on with it as we always did maybe even to some extent actually listen to it a little bit more Hmm. as long as we can switch on a tv or a radio and hear that you know our representatives have chastised this person, we don't actually personally have to make any sacrifices. It's quite a political transaction, I think. Yeah, I mean,
1: that puts me in mind of something that I read the other day, about how the concept of cancellation and of itself is a personal thing more than anything else, you know, because we make our own peace with certain aspects of what it means to cancel someone, and we stick to it or we don't, depending Mm. on who that person is, how much we we like that person and all their music, and how much we're willing to let them get away with, and how much... Accountability, we think they've had in this case, Michael Jackson. It's difficult because he can never be held accountable. R. Kelly can and has been. He's you know he's been convicted of it, right? But it's pretty much essentially the same thing, and that's a lot, at least anyway. Um, But one person can actually be held up to account for it, and another person absolutely cannot. Which means you'll always have significantly more deniers of Jacko than you would of fucking R. Kelly because. Doesn't need to defend himself Because he's a fucking king of pop, mate He did, doesn't matter Yeah, because people <laughs> feel personally attacked Their childhood mm-hmm. is being attacked Not just this pop stuff It's a huge part of my childhood My mum's a huge fan, mm-hmm. you know, growing up And I have, like like you said I learned, I've never had an appetite to listen to him since Not because I made a, a conscious decision I was like, I'm not going to listen to it Just like, like him, like yeah, you just, The enjoyment just, the kind just, of just, dream. Yeah, just gone, you know So Jusviak
0: says, you know We mentioned this already That, that this uh, media reaction, you know Probably stems from a combination of complaints, PR departments. I would say advertising via, you know, advertising income via association, as well as just channel branding. A, a channel want to maybe brand itself as being quite woke, mm-hmm. as being quite uh, zeitgeisty, but it does suggest that you know the public at large does not exercise the same level of policing. Um, we could infer that's because the most animated protests come from a relative minority of the audience or public. It doesn't make them wrong you know, far from it, but it does uh, suggest perhaps there's a disproportionate, and I want to use that carefully, a disproportionate response at a corporate level to some very loud voices, even if the loud voices are quite a minority subset of the public. And as I say, disproportionate is in the sense of reflecting the scale of the response, not me making a, you know, an ethical or moral observation of the punishment fitting the crime, okay? Um, as you mentioned, R. Kelly, who who'll we cut in instead of R. Kelly? Um
1: I might not have thought TV's You Wonder again, but Boys to Men. Boys yeah. to Men's a good one, eh?
0: Um, R Kelly is another example of this. Okay, before part D'Angelo. one. Angelo. Yeah, that's, that's a
1: good one.
0: <laughs> and before part one of Surviving R Kelly aired, he enjoyed about 1.9 million daily streams. By episode three, that was up to 4.2 million. By episode three, it's just mental. It's not even that good. No, no. But um, in the week of the show, his overall audience almost doubled from the week prior with 40-plus million streams. He's also an example of... um, you, you touched on it there, a seemingly stubborn denial regarding his transgressions. Okay? The, the African-American public in particular became bitterly divided between those inclined to believe the allegations. And I would say a, a disturbingly sizable minority convinced it was a wider American plot in this case to cut a successful black man down to size. That narrative was frequently heard in Vox Pop's. Uh, In a way that I don't think I've heard with anybody other than Michael Jackson. Hmm. And it was probably even more so with Michael Jackson. I mean, even when he did that pitiful interview with Gail King shortly after the broadcast, I did nothing to deter the steady rise of his audience. It only began to level out. Much 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 later I, I find that staggering We are Kelly Because he doesn't hold That same special place In our, for an our view eh? in, our, in our view He does for a lot of people I understand that But not I would suggest To anything like The same scale Now let's Let's contrast that Right With Ryan Adams mm-hmm. Who will we cutting Instead of him um, Jesse Malin I've been looking at no idea but okay um, and that really paints a different picture okay because just before the I mean let, let's also be clear here Ryan Adams is not accused of anything I would say even close to the seriousness of Michael Jackson. Nor R. Kelly. Um, But just before the multiple allegations of manipulative and exploitative behaviour surfaced, he'd enjoyed a spike in listeners. Um, Now, that was maybe partly due to announcing, I think it was a trilogy of albums or something. Mm -hmm. But he'd enjoyed a a spike in listeners, okay? As soon as the controversy became public, he felt a significant and, very importantly, a sustained drop in audience Mm -hmm. numbers uh, by, I think it's between around 20-25%. to Um, no, don't get me wrong. He still does pretty well for himself in terms of listeners. It's released a bunch. I think he's released two albums this year already. But he did not enjoy the sudden boost following that. He did the fact that he was getting spoken about everywhere did not lead to a rise in listens. It did not <laughs> even stay at the same level. He has he has endured a slashing blow. To his
1: career, and fair's fair, you know. I have two theories on this, right? The first one being that he didn't have a documentary, and as I said, there's no such things bad news, right? Secondly. Some of the people that, that took him to task, one of them was Phoebe Bridgers, whose star at the time was on the rise and is still on the rise and is, a, is, is becoming a huge artist in her own right. And his ex, who was also involved was Mandy... she she not playing in Glasgow tomorrow? Yeah. Her, <laughs> yeah. her ex is... Her, her, his ex is also Mandy Moore, who is, a, who is an actress and artist in her own right as well. If, if people like that were maybe involved, you know, people with quote-unquote authority were maybe involved with other artist then maybe you would see some kind of sustained drop off so
0: the fact that r kelly's victims let's use him as an example were relatively voiceless and didn't have a platform i think well, yeah or leverage in the same way as maybe these other two young starlets did that affected their ability to get a,
1: be a sort of representative response i would say so because even if you're if you're one of the people that don't believe this that r kelly did what he did right it's Really easy to anonymize. I love the way we say that, it's so loaded. Yeah, yeah. If you don't believe he did what he did, <laughs> <laughs> but these people are anonymous, or like comparatively speaking, they're anonymous, right? And I suppose one of the things you were maybe touching on earlier on, and it's something which I've been kind of thinking about since we decided we, we talked about doing this episode, was that by listening to this person's music, you are in a way taking legitimacy away from the claims of the victims because you're, you're basically platforming this person, right? Whether you think you should do that or not, I'm leaving that entirely up to you. But these people don't have platforms to go out there and say what they say unless you do a documentary. But then where do they go? Um, they go to court, but then, you know, there is restorative justice in place for R. Kelly. Um, or if, if if you've been a, a bit of a dick, understating that, if you've been a bit of a dick to a really... Fa- a, Fam- a famous, your wife was famous, and an art artist who who you were kind of known for grooming not 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 in that sense, but grooming to be like the neck one of the next big things taken the art under your wing, and then you've abused that privilege. These two people have a lot more power and position to do that, to say something against it, and for that to be heard, and for it to have a sustained impact on the person that has being accused of something.
0: It would be great to actually have some sort of metric by which to judge, doctor, look. Because Doctor be Luke is mm. a, a another test case for that latter scenario, you know, mm. given that Kesha was on the rise and went on to like quite a bit of fame. Mm. Um, he is back writing and producing, but obviously now he's using different pseudonyms and is is never going to untarnish. His he's work. working with a particularly prominent artist as well in mm. America, like a female artist. Um. And there's a lot of cynicism around those accusations as well. Whatever you think of it, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> It's always going to be hard to avoid that, no matter what. Um, the author of the article also singled out another artist, uh, Melly, a.k.a. YNW Melly. Mm. Did you read that I one? Read that, yeah. So, Melly, uh, his single Murder On My Mind has performed fairly well and had grown over the course of a year or so since its release, uh, in 2017, I think. Uh, on January the 1st, 2019, he was sitting on 25 million weekly streams. The year prior... Two of his collaborators Anthony YNW Sack Chaser Williams Sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't speak ill of the dead But Sack Chaser uh, And Christopher YNW V. Thomas Jr They'd both been found shot dead And at the time Melly had publicly mourned the death Of his quote Brothers His quote Twins His quote Slimes mm-hmm. Um But in early February of 2019, when investigations ongoing, he turned himself in for their killing and his audience skyrocketed, more than doubling to 60 million. And as that news broke and it became apparent that this was indeed for real, it then shot up again and sustained an eye water in 105 million weekly streams. Not a blip, but a crest that took months to subside. And even then, it ended up finding a new average. that was
1: well above twice where it had been before the shootings. I think it's interesting, right? Because that kind of plays back into the whole idea of like, well, you talk the talk and you walk the walk. So Snoop Dogg authenticity, yeah, OG. And if you're you are you are you are like you are basically just like talking the talk and walking the walk, and, walk um, and turning yourself in is a fucking amazing PR move. <laughs> You think about it that way, you know. If you were talking about people that should be cancelled, maybe Snoop Dogg is one of these people because he was involved in a murder quite early on in his career. Dr. Dre's been involved with various things throughout the course of Ellen's career with NWA. Um there are lots of hip hop artists that have been involved in it. Not because they glamorise it, although, you know, the whole trap scene there is there is definitely an element of glamorization. Louis Sardo's writ his documentary on it. it was actually pretty interesting mm. in Florida. Whole glamorisation of you know drinking drugs and and guns and violence and gang violence and stuff like that and I sound like an old man saying that no I mean it's 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 true I mean I don't know the, if glamorisation is the right word because you you talk about reality like a like a writer writes about the things they know about you know and I think Killer Mike's really eloquent when he talks about this it's like he used to be he used to be a drug dealer you know and he got away from it because he's seen it and became a community leader and an activist but it also makes him more real. Yeah, it does He was able He was forced enough To see a, a path Out of crime
0: fucking Stop violent Give a fuck If you deny it kids yeah. You can all run
1: Naked backwards To appeal the bitch the world don't ask me for that's big I own world but i up and it in need no um not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to do that regardless how famous they get Just because of the company they keep right and not everybody's also, not everybody's also on that path in their life at that particular at, at that particular time but um going back to the original thing it's like it's like outlaw country it's mm-hmm. like living the lifestyle yeah, yeah. that's a that's a to a lot of people Given that his big single was
0: Murder On My Mind, it certainly is intriguing. You'd be forgiven for wanting to hear the guy who did, to committed this act and especially you're forgiven for wanting to check out the Murder On My Mind sing, sing, uh, single and video and uh, the the foreshadowing that supposedly, you know, mm-hmm. it can, it can be interpreted from it. But for it to endure... I think is remarkable. It clearly became really edgy and almost tantalising to people. And as you say, you know, especially within the genre of hip-hop and rap and all its kind of violent macho trappings, this this acquired legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Another good example of that may be uh, Takeshi69. Mm-hmm. Mentioned snitch. That, <laughs> <laughs> yes, snitch, Convicted of using a minor in a, quote, sexual performance, which basically involved three sexually explicit videos he posted online featuring himself and another adult along with a 13 year old girl. That later ballooned to include ongoing sexual assault and child abuse charges on top. He wasn't actually jailed, nor did he even have to register as a sex offender. He got a suspended sentence in community service. However, he did later also become embroiled in racketeering charges. And facing 47 years in jail, he turned state's witness and landed two of his former associates in the shit to get a reduced sentence. He sounds like a top fella, first of all. (laughs) how did that translate in terms of audience? Well, when the news first broke of his use of a child in a sex video, his streams rose steadily week on week from around 4 million (laughs) to a hellish 38 million weekly, then sustaining there for some time. Um, After slowly subsiding over time, he then actually enjoyed a second bounce when he turned state's evidence bumping them from 20 to 30 million. So it's one thing to say, oh, a hip-hop artist's uh, listens went up because he was a badass and he killed these two guys and that's the gang, man. Mm -hmm. This motherfucker was having sex with children on video... And then turning state's witness to get his sorry little ass off the hook. There's nothing gangster about that. There's not. But he still went from 4 million to 38 fucking million streams. So that's not even the gangster thing. That is, as you say, it must be there's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, simply the fact that everybody's talking about it is just getting them loads of attention. And not just like temporary attention but sustained attention on on a very large scale for the record that fucker also secured himself a record contract and signed it in jail <laughs> <laughs> the fucking world is doomed mm-hmm. and i just think that's interesting because that's a whole other side that isn't legitimacy these are not acts these are not charges that are seen as being edgy and you know it's not like popping a cap in someone's ass at the back of a 7 because you fucking wronged your your bro nasty piece of shit Let's talk about uh, how do you say XXX Tentation?
1: Yeah. Oh, Virgo sounds so old now,
0: don't um, we? the seal <laughs> he's now XXX extremely dead. Um, mm-hmm. but The seal of legitimacy seemed to work pretty well for him. His leaked video confessing to battery of a pregnant victim really did the trick, shifting his fucking garbage music as he maintained streams of about 120 million in the weeks following. I think viewed through an optimistic lens, it seems the ability to separate the art from the artists is either... ...is is possibly far more widespread than we like to think. You know, when an artist's profile increases... ...regardless of the reason... ...the public simply follows the loudest noises... ...and the brightest lights, okay? Mm. But through a pessimistic lens... ...perhaps this is not a case of separating the art and the artists. Perhaps the the notoriety is driving the surge in popularity... ...especially in genres where... ...antisocial behaviour is something of a commodity... Although I don't see how Takishi 6 9 benefits from that. But uh, to draw on another example from our past, trends in black metal would certainly fall within that remit. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's almost as if music's a, music is commerce. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't. I can't imagine that they have to do much in the way of marketing for these people. No, and it just drives, it, it makes the record labels money and also has the knock-on effect of making people money.
0: It really goes to underline just how incidental the actual music is. To the success
1: of the artist, basically. Mm. It's, it's, it's in pure some cases, publicity. Yeah. Some cases it can be a killer, like Ryan Adams, you know. Mm. Ian Watkins, Ian Love Prophets, you know.
0: There's there's an interesting case study as well, just before I get your own kinda personal feelings in this. You ever heard of Noir Desire? No. Okay, so anybody listening abroad in Europe will probably have more chance of knowing about this, okay? Noir desire are a huge French alt rock band from the eighties, nineties and 2000s, to some extent, I think they were originally from Bordeaux. One member owns quite a prominent venue there still. Um, Alt Rock, so I'll well, cut in Pearl Jam. Mm, maybe. Mm, you know,
1: it was my
0: a very nostalgic part of many French alternative Gen Xers from that era, you know, occupying a, a really beloved, almost like a kind of Billy Corgan, Kurt Cobain, that, that, that sort of vibe. Um, in 2003, the singer Bertrand Cantat uh, got into an argument with his girlfriend, his then-girlfriend Marie Tantignal. Uh, In a Lithuanian hotel Which resulted in him beating her severely She was found in a coma the next morning And died some days later Uh, He claimed to have hit her four times But the autopsy estimated the actual figure was around 19 He said she fell and hit her head On a radiator during the assault And that it was accidental impact That had knocked her out, not him He was sentenced to eight years for manslaughter Uh, One year of that he spent in Lithuania Then a further two years in Toulouse uh, Before a uh, a full lifting Of conditional release from 2010 So he didn't actually spend a lot of time in jail and he spent about, I think it was about three years on conditional release. So six years in total uh, under any kind of confinement for beating his girlfriend to death. Let's be clear about that. Um, What is surprising is that a little over a year after his arrest and conviction, Noir Desir released two works. Uh, And then in 2008, another two new songs uh, following Cantat's conditional release. It wasn't until about, I think it was, the late November 2010 that the guitarist Serge Taysoc Gay uh, left the band citing, quote, emotional, human and musical differences with Cantat, and the group was declared formally broken up the following day by the other members. They went on to release a further acoustic double album in 2020 made up of concerts that had been recorded pre-arrest. ...as to how that decision to release that came about... ...or how the royalties from that were divided... ...I'm I'm unsure... Um, ...when his release was announced... ...predictably many groups... ...especially those campaigning against domestic violence... ...were outraged... ...however, Noir Désir's fans especially young women infatuated with the singer reacted in predictably euphoric ways to his release. You know, um, The Facebook, for starters, was swamped with messages of goodwill. Uh, one reads, uh, tomorrow is a great day for you, the day of deliverance. I hope it will bring you peace and that you will make a quick comeback. Uh, another comment compares him to deeply flawed poet Arthur Rimbaud, uh, Frenchman, you have short memories. Luckily, we have kept only the best of this great poet, Rimbo. Let's do the same for Cantat. Let's remember the best only of this great artist Mm. Uh, (laughs) that's optimistic Um, and the thing is further to this cantat's wife took her own life in the january of his parole being lifted she was the mother of his two children and the person whom he had left originally to be with a late actress girlfriend whom he had beaten to death so she had actually reunited with him on his initial release from jail Right up until the lifting of that conditional release, but her parents said that life back with him had been, quote, hell, that their daughter was scared of him and that used emotional blackmail to maintain the relationship. None of this... Stopped a festival in Brittany, declaring their public interest in hosting them on their bill. Nor did it deter the army of fans clinging to the to their pinup. Mm. I mean, that story really taps into that sort of resistance to things you don't want to hear about someone. I mean, mm. they, they, there is a lot of denial that's, there.
1: You could, yeah, you could say that, That's one way to frame it I guess the other way to frame it is that This person has paid the penance And there, there has been some amount of restorative justice They should be a reformed character Three years in jail for beating his girlfriend to death And then three years under supervised release I mean you could frame
0: it that way if you and wanted his to his wife, it? who was then terrified of him then killing herself But he still did the time mate <laughs> <laughs> So I you're saying see it's it. an
1: issue with the justice system no, right? I, I can see how people could square that up in their head Like He, was, he's, he always did it, he, he did deal time for it He's probably a better person now because he's because of the, the, cause of restorative justice. So it's given them the
0: excuse to be able to tell themselves that it's it's that thing of it you could know, be, yeah. creating mm-hmm. the bubble around yourself that you've got just enough to build a flimsy
1: justification mm-hmm. that can endure. I mean, I, I, I have no horses in this race at all, man. But I think the the, the, the question that, that, that makes me think is like, well, when is somebody uncancelled? Is that possible? That's a huge part of it is the Mm -hmm. fact that is there a restorative justice
0: aspect to it or is cancelled, just Mm cancelled? That a lot of the people that champion it uh, as an approach... It seemed to just champion it in perpetuity It's, it's like, okay, so w- what's the plan here? Mm-hmm. So if somebody does something Are we saying they're worthless as a human being For the rest of their life? Mm-hmm. And and that simply isn't something that's applied Consistently across mm-hmm. the board no, absolutely It, it not, collapses yeah. instantly mm-hmm. Not just among friends, but amongst other celebrities As
1: well, you know yeah. um, I think in terms of this case, man Like f- the, the thing that occurs to me is like You can't unkill a person regardless of how much Fucking time you do, right? People that have killed people can change and they can change their lives. I firmly believe that that, that is possible, but I'm an optimistic person, I'm told. Does <laughs> it mean that they should be allowed to do what they used to be able to do in terms of have a platform and, and be able to create art? Then yeah, of course they should be able to create art, but should they be given a platform in which to release that art and have it accepted? Probably not. That's it. I mean this 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 guy invariably is surrounded by young people,
0: he's something of an icon. To young people and to people who used to be young people, if you will, and were into him then who want to continue to be into him because they're nostalgic. He has a platform. He's It doesn't exist in a vacuum. He's, he's stepping right back into a role that he most certainly sullied. Hmm. I'm not saying that there's no way to do time and get past the crime, although I would suggest that the time he did is... Paltry And extremely insulting I'd agree Not just to women Just insulting to humanity I'd agree Um, However I also don't Personally If I had done something like that Even if I went to jail And felt that I had I was truly contrite And had paid the price for it I wouldn't re-emerge into the same industry I'd, I'd try and re, reinvent my life You'd mm-hmm. sort of see it as like That life is fucking gone Surely decency suggests mm-hmm. You're not just going to walk back out on stage and be like Hey everybody Let's play that song That we were playing A couple of nights before I smacked my girlfriend's head Off a radiator and killed her
1: I said this, I said this before. We had a brief discussion around this Before I think in a bonus episode And I said something I'm going to say it again right um, But Vicky took me to task for saying it I still think it's mostly true though She's yelling at this podcast right Um, now If a teacher was struck off For for whatever reason They wouldn't be allowed back in the profession I, I believe that's true I mean, yeah. <laughs> should I mean just because you can't get struck off from being a fucking singer and guitar player, should you be allowed? You should be allowed to enter society and, and make a living for yourself. Absolutely, should you be doing it in a way which is yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Move man, to Ohio,
0: it? open a fucking hardware store, call yourself fucking Bert, mm-hmm. and just hope that nobody knows what you fucking did, mm-hmm. and and live your life. And if you are generally genuinely a reformed character, fine. But I I find it almost obnoxious and it must be incredibly difficult for the families Uh of victims to see that person just not only just readmitted but celebrated
1: once more, platformed, I just think that's repugnant. Yeah, it comes back to what I was saying earlier on, you know, um, there's a great article in Pitchfork about like how do we live with music made by problematic artists and by the contributing editor of the time in 2019, Jason Green. And one quote that really stuck out to me was basically the insolubility of art versus art problem and it's quite difficult in music you choose to expose yourself to an artist's work and you're subjecting yourself to quote a sustained whisper campaign for their inherent virtues the empathy the tortured humanity lying within them you see humanity in all humans even murderers and abusers can be a powerful and clear-eyed practice It may be what some have called radical empathy. And yet, passively accepting abusers' songs about themselves when their victims are given no voice at all, the R. Kelly thing I was talking about, and more when their victims usually disappear into the cracks of society, often hounded by death threats from the artist's massive fan base, may also be a form of enabling or even empowering toxic Mm behaviour. And I think that stands to, I think that's that's probably true. Exactly. Yeah. He he goes on to say that deciding where to draw or redraw our lines is always messy, it's always retconned and it's always incomplete. It's murky right up to the point where it suddenly seems crystal clear and undeniable. For some people that never comes, Mm. or maybe it comes in the other way, like the R. Kelly example, you know, where it's it's undeniable to me that he didn't do it. I mean, I don't know how you can come to that conclusion, right, but... There surely are people out there that have that opinion There has to be There's loads of people who believe
0: he mm-hmm. didn't do it yeah. Loads of people Any vox pop after the incident I don't know One in four people interviewed Will will say uh, No I think they're just trying to cut him down to size It's revenge Blah 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 mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, as we've illustrated here, hopefully, we're, we're, we're talking about a wide gamut of offences. Five like, tiers. Five <laughs> tiers of offences, okay, from Phil up to Ian. And what we're not trying to do is say that Ryan Adams and Michael Jackson <laughs> are the same kind of deplorable. But to that end, I want to just pick your brains a wee bit. Mm-hmm. What about for you? Who are, who are some names? So, I mean, obviously, Lost profits We've said it. Watkins is crimes. That's why he's tier five. I mean, unless they find a sort of Fred West type wall in his house, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it could get much worse. So you go from him all the way down the scale. And I just want to see the ones that crop up on your radar, maybe that we can't take for granted on everybody's radar the way we can with the likes of Watkins
1: or Gary Glitter and stuff like that yeah before we get into that you know people often talk about how people are losing their livelihoods when they get cancelled I I think it's really difficult to argue that anyone is ever completely 100% cancelled I can only think of two people and One of them is Harvey Weinstein <laughs> You know what I mean um, Where they're completely But he's a fucking millionaire anyway So if he does get out of prison if he, if he lives long enough to get out of prison Which is highly unlikely I'm sure he'd be fine
0: Yeah and the thing is With Harvey Weinstein is His name is still on Hundreds of super famous movies mm-hmm, yeah. You know what I mean It's still there right. But the people are still watching I don't know even Fuck I don't know Demolition Man Let's say he did that one I've mm-hmm. no idea But people are still going to watch that It's not going to
1: get cancelled Because yeah. his name's in the credits Absolutely, he helped commission it. We spoke about Miramax in the, the Clerks episode; like that was his production company. You know, mm-hmm. all Tarantino's films, and I think after Miramax was split up, um, it was the Weinstein company with him and his brother. Yeah, and that's just one one huge example of an. So he's not story. completely cancelled. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, but bands are a good example of the the removal. Uh, one person can end up removing the entire income of, of a yeah. whole band and lost profits are a good example. of That there was six people in that band. I yes. And
0: for that reason, I think there exists a healthy amount of scepticism about how well can somebody truly hide their behaviour. I believe somebody can hide their behaviour to an extent but there's an entire other episode about how willing might members be to excuse increasingly questionable transgressions. I mean, nothing of the scale of what he was eventually done for I'm not suggesting that. But you know, there's a long history mm. of rock stars behaving inappropriately to people of non-legal age.
1: Mm. You know? so I think bands prove a really interesting example of, of how cancel culture has an unintended knock-on effect on the careers of other people. But that's my point is that I think a lot of people would say, well,
0: I think there's probably a sense that some of those bands deserve it for, for enabling or at least looking the other way uh, in many of those cases.
1: mm mm-hmm so you want some examples of
0: artists just for for you i mean i'll i'll start us off yeah, to get things that. running for me smashing pumpkins They're uh, somewhere between a a Phil and a Kasabian, Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name, Tom? Tom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just Billy Corgan courting the sort of Trumpist right wing thing. I think that goes beyond just, you know, Phil Collins saying he was going to leave the UK if Labour ever got elected and all that kind of shit. You know, that's just simply something I just don't like. Corgan is not far above that, but he is above that to t- an extent
1: that bothers me. Uh, one he's that been I think on, he's been in Infowars wars, mate. So
0: exactly, yeah, and that's there's a hefty amount of enabling going on there. Um, I think Eagles of Death Metal's frontman,
1: what's his name, Jesse Michaels, I think. It is?
0: No, um, doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah. Uh, who are we cutting? In? I'm going to cut in the guy from Butthole Surfers who they ripped off. I'm okay. going to cut him in instead of cool. them. Right, Eagles of death metal, uh, quite apart from the fact he's a gun nut, they had a terrible experience at the Bataclan, but it also brought out of him his true xenophobia uh, and the things he said about people who died trying to save people's lives in there were inexcusable. So I think he's another, he's, mm. he's up one for me. Um, and I will say, by the way, it's somewhat... Partly by association. Queens of Stone Age sullied their reputation. They're kind of around the Phil Collins for me now as well. As much as their music is fucking superb at times. Mm -hmm. um, I do sometimes squirm a bit. Um, Iggy Pop, I would say, is likely a good step up from that. Again, Iggy Pop is probably on a Jesse... Jesse Lacey Jesse Lacey or Ryan Adams in, in reality When you look at some of the things He's sung about Having sex with underage girls Going to their parents And telling them And boasting about it mm. I mean Iggy Pop Has a show on the BBC And obviously Iggy Pop uh, You then have and I don't want to do it to death, but David Boy, very similar things. And, and you're that entire universe around the sort of Sable Star, Laurie Maddox, Laurie Mattox, underage, groupie culture in California. These were grown men, mm. like, you know, men in their late 20s and 30s who knew that the age of consent was 18 and they were having sex with girls that were 13 and 14 years old routinely and boasting about it, passing them around um, the notion that, Morality didn't exist then I mean Give me a fucking break So That whole world for me Is also really really solid.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean Liz Zeppelin in there for me Because of Jimmy Page She's part yep. of the exact same pantheon part of that of same of, group yeah. Pantheon of ball bags, I guess you could call it The first one that pops into my head Other than Marla Manson um, And actually kind of goes back to I mean I know I've said in a, a recent episode That I still listened to him But I was only being flippant when I said that Because th- that guy Who did the Pitchfork article The exact same thing happened to me you know, like I, I didn't make a conscious decision to stop listening to him, I just had no appetite to do it anymore. To Marla Manson? Yeah, uh uh-huh. What Pan- we play instead of Marlon Manson? Ministry? Ministry, yeah, good shout. Get up! Get on your feet! Hey, 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 oh, we'll Pantera, I think a difficult one. What are we going to play instead of Um, that? Downset Slayer. Slayer no. oh, Slayer yeah Who we established yeah. Almost definitely not Nazis Yeah, yeah. Okay um, Pantera I mean and go, The white wine incident Is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, a, in legend that, that was just a, Another point On yeah. a fucking graph Of uh, behaviour You mm-hmm. know I mean Phil Anselmo Is fucking kidding Everybody on yeah. Trying to pass that shit off I mean I wouldn't I don't know if I go as far as say that he's a complete racist, but I would say that he th- I would definitely say that at the very least he thinks of minorities, I guess, as being inferior. He's a fucking redneck hick. That's what,
0: I'll go as far as saying that he absolutely is. The guy's been cutting about sporting t-shirts that he knew full well what they stood for. Mm-hmm. He was wearing the carnivore. Triple Seven One. That's another one, by the way. Pete Steele Steele. of Mm -hmm. Carnivore. He's fucking triple sevens, and he's fucking very racist lyrics at the time, including him inventing the flag of Vinland. Uh, You know, that's this thing that he came up with for this ancient northern Scandinavian settlement that has been adopted because of that by white power groups, and is now used as a sort of soft version of a swastika. Mm -hmm. Like people with flags of Vinland on their profiles. That's that's that crypto. Fascist thing That
1: people like Pete Steele And people mm. like Phil Anselmo Fucking love Well the, the, reason I, the reason I bring up Pantera Is because When the band split up Dimebag Darrell And Fanny and Paul and, and Rex They all distanced Themselves from From that You know but they they're
0: me- another band, uh, like I'm saying, that a lot of people would say, well, fuck you, you enabled it. You knew what he was into. You knew what he believed. Oh, well, they courted redneck imagery throughout their entire career, yeah, but, Do you mean, know? I mean, we all knew what he believed. Mm-hmm. We'd we, spoken, I think it was like 1995, about, you know, he was going on stage saying white power because rap groups could go on stage and say black power. It's like, mate, it's not fucking symmetry there. Mm-hmm. That's not symmetry. His mm-hmm. band knew what he believed and they chose to be in a band with him. Yeah. Now, I know we've got friends that, Say things we disagree with But when you're a, When you're an entity When you're a business And you're going out there And one of the guys In your business Is foisting this shit On millions of young people Helping to keep it alive In society Then you've got a Responsibility to stop that
1: And I, I think you know Pantera's also interesting Because the, he was clever enough Never to put it in his lyrics You know I think clever's a stretch uh, I mean, if you've if you've he got wasn't, a, he
0: wasn't dumb enough to put in his lyrics. I think he's a pretty
1: clever guy, man. I think it's a I think that's a deliberate choice in his part. Okay, as somebody that has always been as very forthright and fuck everybody uh, as was. Uh and to walk about you know courting that kind of thing in interviews and, and on stage, and then not putting a lyrics uh, that takes some thinking, man. That's not it doesn't happen by happenstance. I don't think.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, the less I know about Rod Stewart the better <laughs> I'd hate to think what I'd find out if I dug in there i tell you one that,
0: that came to mind I really don't want to know anything else about Deftones mm. oh,
1: I really yeah.
0: don't because At least one or two of the guys in that band Mm -hmm. are seriously fucking loopy. Is that cancellable, though, or just a ball bag? Is that a tier one? No, this is exactly what I'm saying. They they wouldn't appear on the vast majority of people's radars Mm -hmm. as being cancellable, and I'm not suggesting for a fucking second that they should be. What I'm saying is, for me, listening to them has become a slightly more uneasy process, given that I know that one of them thinks the fucking earth is flat. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just... That just... I can't fully engage with music when I know someone's that much of a fucking cretin. Mm. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I wish I could ignore it but I really want to stop finding things out <laughs> about fucking tones <laughs> because they don't
1: fucking help. Chris, I've, 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 I have remember that guy's name from earlier on. Chris Conley, for he the day. There's been, there's been things floating about for years about him but more recently there was a lot of chat and some text messages about him like being, you know, quite abusive towards um, a male fan, uh, and apparently he's got a history of being that, uh, being that way, um, emotionally manipulative, verbally abusive, um, cheating on his wife and stuff like that as well. So yeah, like I think more people shouldn't be aware of the fact that he is a ball bag. I don't know. I don't know really like saves the day that much anyway. So it doesn't doesn't make a huge amount of difference to me. But they're a beloved band, you know, from a beloved scene. Mm. The remember we did the
0: Burger Records thing mm-hmm. on Shannon and the Clams as yeah. well. Burger Records, that was a that was a cancelled scene. Um, I wonder how Smith's fans feel. Yeah, Smith's a good one because everybody everybody knows that Morrissey's a complete arsehole. Yeah, so he's I mean, he's a sustained and extreme version of Phil Collins, mm-hmm. surely. Mm-hmm. You know, it is just opinions, isn't it? But some of them are pretty fucking racist, yeah. and he he called the Chinese <laughs> in general a subspecies. Mm-hmm. So he's probably up at a he's up at a, um, Tom.
1: Yeah, I think he? so. Um, a couple of other ones, uh, sadly, an artist that we've covered on the show that I that I love the POS. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh yeah,
1: cause after we did that episode, you told me that some news broke about him that it was pretty unsavoury. A couple of years, uh, a couple of years after, or maybe a year after. Um, it was when the it was when like the whole setting me to movement was happening during the pandemic, a lot of stuff came out of of being physically abusive towards as partners and how that was enabled by other people in and, and that Minneapolis scene. Mm-hmm. Um one of his pals is another artist that I really like called Astronautilus, you rape somebody, you know. And these are two people whose careers were never serious to begin with, but are now non existent. Tatters. Yeah. You
0: know? I am amazed and relieved that Trent Reznor has never been seriously implicated in anything. Given his general vibe in the mid nineties and the company that he mm. kept. I'm pleased. I don't know whether he's just got a fucking fantastic legal team, or he really did manage to keep his nose relatively clean, yeah. Um, despite cutting about with some absolute mm-hmm. rotters, um, I, you know. Just to, to to wrap this up, though, there is one big fucking blot that continues to bother me, and it's some of the metal scene. Mm. I have developed like a constant paranoia when I'm getting into metal bands now. I mean, I'm talking. Locally, we've got a bit of a, an ongoing thing with, with this at the moment, to some extent. But also, just more generally, we 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 spoke about it ad nauseum on the black metal episode. How, how pervasive the far right beliefs and the racism and the the white supremacy and the kind of occult Nazism and things like that were uh, in some of that scene, and not just incidental, but foundational mm-hmm. to some aspects of it. You're talking about, we talked about the the allure of o, being OG. Uh, and and hip hop and rap. Well, the same was true of the black metal movement. Absolutely, it was uh-huh. be as extreme as you can. Stab someone to death for being gay, stab someone in the head, you know, and now you're the real deal. You know, Varg Vikernes is the real deal for those guys. Who will we play instead of Varg Vikernes um, Enya. I was going to say Don Raid. <laughs> okay, Enya or Don Raid? They wait and see what happens. But it's got to the stage now where when I'm enjoying a metal band, I feel compelled to dig into them. I need to know. It's a scene with quite a libertarian attitude. And in some ways that's good. You know, metal did have that sort of, you know, fuck authority. Bands like Fear Factory and stuff were really into their conspiratorial thinking. We spoke about that in that episode. And the, you know, the dystopian predictions and the anti-government this and war that and... Dave Mustaine and all these theories and some of them, you know, yep, had a point on a lot of these things, but and a lot of other things he didn't have a fucking point, and it really overshot and became pretty toxic rhetoric that has now become the rhetoric of the Proud Boys and all that those kind of movements. I think that sort of thing, you know, I am a very paranoid with metal bands. Mm-hmm. I think Taka, that album Vappen, is a very good album musically. But it does seem like the guy is a bit of a fucking weapon indeed, you know, and that bothers me. The number of bands and people dripping through that scene from act to act and the company they keep and even the people that aren't massively outspoken about it, you know, the things you see them going a long way and saying it's just a really problematic fucking scene that I I really enjoy, but it comes at a price to my fucking sanity, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I will say as well i uh, really disappointed about King Buzzo, uh and his fucking Gavin McInnes chat uh, you he saying? I's just, I know he's always been a bit, a bit tasty anyway Yeah like. it's just a bit fucking libertarian is it and mm. libertarianism is okay up to a point but it very quickly tips into some shady shit
1: Agreed Well I don't think libertarianism is ever okay but I agree about it tipping into some shady shit <laughs> Ach, It's just it's a set of beliefs but uh, it, it unfortunately comes with a lot of baggage mm.
0: So, that was good There we go And we got some music shoehorned into it We should finish with something nice though What's a total Who's the squeakiest clean musician you can think of And I'll, I'll put them at the end of the show The Beach Boys Are you fucking joking? <laughs> 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 restraining orders against each other For fucking each other's wives um, No, no, there's there's way squeakier I think Scylla Black's ever done anything bad I don't know Let's fucking play some Scylla Black Cool All right, catch us next week.